everybody. Welcome to Read This, Read That. I am Jackie Reed. And I am Joanne Reed. What's up, cuz? I'm so hungry. Thank you for bringing me this. What is it? Split pea soup? No, it's not. What is it? It is a... Lentil? Lentil chili. Mm. Vegan <laughs> soup. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's still good, though. Did I say it was vegan? It's still good, though. You know, I'm... I, I cannot tell you how you frustrate me with the, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. It you know, is. When there are several places within the building that we work, within the neighborhood in which we live, that you could get. But I realized today, as painful as it is, <laughs> you just don't want <laughs> to be vegan. Maybe, you don't want to do it. Maybe somebody has to be put on earth to eat the little animals. Because maybe their destiny is to be my lunch. You and the chef that I was talking about last week that was eating the horse meat. I'm not eating a horse. Why not? Because it's to ride, not to eat. <laughs> you can ride a cow and a bull. You better try. Go, good luck. <laughs> get, on, get on a bull or you a cow. You can. You ever try to ride a cow? I'm not even having this conversation. They won't even let anyone. you get on their One back. day, Let me tell you, the day will come where you're going to have that aha moment. When, when one of them you're tries just to eat like, me? Well, there's that. Mm-hmm. Where you're going to be like, oh my God. No, but you know what? All this time. Because that's what happened to me. Right. It, I just had an aha moment because, mm-hmm. you know, I've been eating chitlins every yeah. every Christmas, mm-hmm. all kinds of uh, meat, steak I had, every other I had, week. I had the aha moment when I was in high school when I became a vegetarian because my mom asked me to clean the chicken for dinner. And the chicken, I, so I, you know, I'm kind of clean him and you have to pluck whatever little feathers are left because they didn't do a good job. But it wasn't like and he, had his, he had no head, but he had his little arms and his little legs. And I was like, this looks like a person. And I couldn't eat it. And from then on, I was vegetarian until, you know, I was finally broken by McDonald's. Don't feign concern for these animals. No. I don't even believe No, he you. was so real. No, first of all. And it, now you eat chicken. What right, happened? Because, you know, I was trying to make him dance. I had him doing a dance. As you were cleaning him? Yeah, because he had his arms and legs and his little wings were flapping. You didn't care about And so chicken. I was making him dance. And then I was like, I can't eat this guy. After you made He's a puppet so out of him? He's cute. He just didn't have a head. I can't. But I became a vegetarian legit and made my whole family be vegetarian. They hated it. They hated it. And I made all sorts of amazing recipes. I ordered a cookbook. Well, what happened? Well, first of all, I was in high school, so I had plenty of time on my hands. It was those children. All I wasn't had was it? like my after school job in clubs. I had plenty of time to cook. <laughs> now, what time do I have to be cooking food and stuff and making stuff out of a recipe and you're in you know, I don't have but time whether, listen, whether or not you're vegan or non vegan, you still have to cook. You I mean, still have to figure out what you're going to eat. You, you still have order to plan. Seamless. You can just order grub up. Which goes to several vegan restaurants. It doesn't. Trust me. Not where I live. Mm-mm. I live in the same neighborhood, <laughs> Joanne. <laughs> we live in the same neighborhood. You live on a different side where they have more restaurants. Whatever. Where I live, they don't have that. I can't. I told you not to move into that part, <laughs> that part of the neighborhood. <laughs> We're still developing. That's true. I've got one police precinct. Oh, one firehouse. It's true. It's a little it dicey is, where I live. A little dicey. True. It's a little shaky. It is true. Well, we are drinking, thanks to you and your uh, wine cellar in your office. Because <laughs> you keep some liquor in your office. It's they mostly bourbon. You, they should put you on the tour route for 30 <laughs> Rock to stop by. And just and for the wine connoisseurs, <laughs> let's stop by Joy Reza. I got Jack Daniels in there. But, but it's there's a legitimate reason why I have so much alcohol. Don't say, this is not from the Kentucky Colonel. That's thing. not for the, right, because I was a Kentucky Colonel. I was, I was extended the grace of being a Kentucky Colonel. Yeah, I'm very proud. Um, and I got this huge gift basket of different bourbons from 
a, you know, a person in Kentucky, a friend in Kentucky who gifted me with all this bourbon. So I have a lot of bourbon in my office, a lot of whiskey. Mm. Mm-hmm. Brown wrong liquor. Brown liquor. And then also, <laughs> of course, whenever people give me gifts, it's generally alcohol for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. We should go in there every, every, th- we, should, we record on Thursdays, go in there and like <laughs> get like some blue light bulbs or something and like listen to the blues, <laughs> like Bobby Blue Bland. <laughs> and just like, commiserate the crazy week that we've had and just make wine selections from the office but this from the uh the vineyard of joy and reed mm-hmm. is a uh, wind gap mm-hmm. um it's the pinot noir okay. from the sonoma coast um so it's not bad not bad i'm normally not a pinot girl but this isn't bad cheers clink clink, clink. Hmm. it's not the worst it's not bad mm. That's not bad at all. It's not bad. I normally, as you know, as you do as well, I normally prefer a nice Shiraz Mm -hmm. or a Cabernet Sauvignon, but this isn't terrible. It really isn't. It's sweeter than I anticipated. Yeah. It's a little full-bodied and sweeter. It's got, I don't like the aftertaste as much Mm -hmm. as I would like to, but it's not bad. This is a black person's Pinot Noir. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why someone gave it to me. It's got a little Moscato in it. A little Moscato (laughs) in it. It's like a little shot of sugar in there. (laughs) Just a little bit. All right, so clink, clink, cousin. Clink, 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 clink. So Cheers. We're winding down. Um, and I was going to talk about Dr. Ruth, who I met this week, 90 oh my years God. old. She has this documentary coming out on Hulu. Okay. I don't know when it's coming out, but she's on her way to Sundance yes. to promote her documentary. And 90, year, 90 years old in this documentary, if you've seen the trailer, which is all that I've seen, it talks about her, um, you know, her family sending her off from Nazi Germany wow. and her escaping, you know, what was going on there. But the rest of her family uh, perished. She was sent as a child to Switzerland. Um, they trained her as a sniper. What? Um, like she has this incredible story before she was a sex therapist. Can I, can we just put a pin in that for a second? Yeah. Because a lot of the people who are attacking the parents of people who send these un, unaccompanied minors to the yes. United States forget that when it came to Nazi Germany, a lot of parents did to save their kids. Yes. They put even little kids on their own onto trains and onto boats to get them out. Seeking asylum. Seeking asylum. Yes. And in Cuba, same thing. When that government collapsed, when um, Castro took over, when Fidel Castro took over, every parent that could scramble together the money paid people to put to add their child onto a boat. And a lot of Cuban-Americans mm-hmm. came to the country, these Pedro Pond kids who came by themselves. Yeah. Unaccompanied minors says, you know, a lot of people in the, in the um, Great Migration who had been enslaved and had the chance to get out, you couldn't always get the whole family out. Sometimes right. you had to get out who you could get out. Yeah. And if you could get your child out, you got them out. You didn't wait until you could do the sort of responsible way to get there. You, you have to run. Yeah. If you're in jeopardy, whether you're fleeing slavery or you're fleeing oppression or you're fleeing violence, mm-hmm. you just go. And sometimes as a parent, the most loving thing you can do is let your children go without you. And so That's this, what a parent does. That's what a parent does. I mean, there are so many West Indian families who have children in America and parents' home or vice versa because they're trying to do their best for their kids. So right. I think that whole knock on on um, asylum seekers and, mi- and and migrants is, to me, it just smacks of xeno- xenophobia and racism because of who these people are. What was interesting opinion. about what Dr. Ruth said <clears throat> when I was interviewing her was she really doesn't like to speak up about politics, she said, because I like to stay out of that because I'm a sex therapist and that's my wheelhouse and that's what I like to speak on. She said, but... She sure do like to speak on it. Yes, she does. Mm-hmm. She said, but because of my background and what I went through, she said, what's going on? Um, in this country with immigration 
and with with these kids and with asylum seekers, um, she was she was really upset about it and spoke out about that specifically because she said there's such a connection to what she went through. Good but people don't see that. No, people don't see that because of the color of, you know, the skin the color, color of the migrants. Yeah. And it's funny because I um, when we were out in California, uh, not California, we were in Texas to go to Tornillo to see the detention camp, which has now been closed. That was housing at the time about two thousand unaccompanied minors. These weren't the minors who were separated by force by the Trump administration. They had come on their own. It was mostly mm-hmm. boys, but some girls. At Tornillo, there were some people from from you know in nearby areas, et cetera, who came to protest it. I remember talking to a woman who was also in her nineties, who was a Holocaust survivor, who said the same thing Dr. Ruth did. That she said, what scares her is she sees echoes of the same mentality. Yes. yes. In America. And when you hear a Holocaust survivor say that, that gets deep. That's deep. Because the policy of this administration when it comes to immigration, I mean, if you really look at it, it's it's based on race. Mm -hmm. It's based on the color of people's skin. It's based on racism. It's Stephen Miller, the guy who is basically the author of all these speeches and who wrote the American Carnage speech and et cetera is on record over and over and over again, including when he worked for Jeff Sessions, when Jeff mm-hmm. Sessions was the backbench senator who made it his mission to stop immigration reform, is that they don't want any more non-white migrants, period. They just want no asylum. And not only that, they want to reduce the non-white population by both deporting out migrants who are of the wrong race and the wrong color, stopping the in-migration of migrants who are the wrong race and the wrong color, meaning not from Europe, and even denaturalizing people. Remember, there was a time when Trump was talking about ending the 14th Amendment and saying that even if you were already naturalized or you were born here yeah. of foreign parents, yeah. they could take away your yeah. naturalization. That would mean like people like me, right. where your parents were foreign, but you were born here. Right. In theory, I could be denaturalized under that because the, my parents came from so-called shithole countries that Trump doesn't like. And even adults. I mean, they talked about they have started deportation proceedings against Vietnamese people who helped our soldiers during the war, who we air back, air evacuated out. And now they've been here, been in this country since Vietnam War. They want to get them and send them back to Vietnam. That's crazy. Why? Just because they're not white. Yeah. And because they're the concern about by from people like Stephen Miller, whose family is Jewish and were Holocaust survivors, which is shocking. They are concerned that the balance between white and non-white people is tipping too fast and that white Americans are going to be the minority. And that is what is at the root of all of Of it. Of all of this. Of so many things. Yeah. I mean, for the book that I'm working on now, I interviewed a woman from the Southern Poverty Law Center who studies this. And she says you can trace the beginnings of the real escalation in this kind of thinking and this kind of policy ideas to when the first time that the U.S. Census announced the pending date for white Americans to become the minority. And she said that from the minute that announcement was made and media amplified it and said, white Americans are going to be the minority at, at the time, they said by 2042, yeah. the minute that was announced, they started seeing upticks in racialized violence, in militia groups, in membership in white nationalist organizations, and in just white nationalist rhetoric yeah. and threats and violence. So they could see it. They can track it. And that's where it, where it started. When people said, y'all are going to be the minority, it triggered something in a lot of white Americans that has just accelerated because Obama. Yeah. <sighs> I can't wait until your next book comes out. This will be your third book. Third one. Second one that I've done by myself. It's a, This is a sequel to Fracture, my first book. Okay. So. When is it? Do out summer 
Okay. It's a quick book. I'm doing it fast. And what type of writer are you? Are you what, What's your process for writing a book? Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chaos writer. Is this why your eating is off and yes. all that kind of stuff? I'm already an insomniac. You know, I'm up late. Yeah. So the process generally is I'm kind of delirious in the morning. I should get up and just write, but I'm so out of it because I don't sleep. Yeah. Um, and then around 10 p.m., I hit my stride of productivity. Really? And I'll write from like 10 until like 2 a.m., and just mm. go into it. And I'm, I can't, I try to write from outlines, but it doesn't work. I am, I end up just getting an idea. That's why I always have my laptop with me. Because I'll just get an idea and I just spit it all out. I can spit a whole chapter out at once. But if I sit down and say, okay, at 9 a.m. I will begin to write. I'll just, will stare at the blank screen. What do you think would happen with your insomnia if you were, if you did not have a nine to five, so to speak. If you didn't have a job that you had to go to where all you had to do was whatever you wanted to do. I would probably, it'd probably be worse because I'm, so? I'm, I'm kind of like a bat. Like my ideal time to sleep would be in the day. But you could sleep all day. Yeah. If I could just sleep all day and work all night, I think actually be ideal. And I used to have overnight jobs back when, back in the nineties. Right. You could make a lot of money. Um, one of the ways I used to make a lot of money was working overnights on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And you could just, um, you could work overnight. You get $25 an hour just processing presentations and, and then I, you could sleep during the day could sleep during the day but didn't you get more sleep then no because i would end up when by the time you go home at like five six in the morning you kind of have a rush of adrenaline and you can't fall asleep so this is probably where some of my insomnia came from because i would be up all night <laughs> struggling to stay awake and then when i got home instead of sleeping i would just be up more i can't with you i know well i wanted to we wanted to have our our wind down for yes. a moment and let's do it tell me we talked about down. your eating being off yeah but you're getting back into the gym yes uh, so i did soul cycle how was this your first time yeah i died i'm a i'm a ghost i died <laughs> the guy was a murderer are you going to go back i am going to go back because i bought okay. so our good friend alexis uh -huh. gave who's me a very coupon fit. who's very fit yeah and she gave me this coupon in 2016 <laughs> <laughs> in 2016 for Christmas as our secret Santa. She was my, I was her, she was my secret Santa. So two Santa. years ago. Two years ago, she gave me this coupon. I've never used it. And she asked me not long ago, she said, do you ever use that coupon? And I was like, actually, no. But I had checked it from time to time to make sure it was still good. It's good for life. So I <laughs> told her good. that I wanted to get back in shape, that I put back on a lot of the pounds I'd lost on my austere diet. And she was like, just try Soul Cycle. Just try it. You'll love it because you used to love cycling, which I do. I love Love, love, love spinning. It's my favorite exercise back when I was in shape and could do it. Um, so I said, okay, you know, let me do it. So I bought, I used the coupon to buy three classes. So I would commit myself to go to three and not just one. Oh. So I went to the first one and I died. It's so hard. It's hard. At this weight that I'm at now Will and at my age, it's hard. It. I haven't done it for nine years. I cannot. It's hard. At this weight and this age. Girl, there were old ladies in the class that were out doing me. The old ladies were like pedaling and I'm like, ah! I'm dying, and they're pedaling away, and I'm like, how are they pedaling to the beat? Old ladies are pedaling to the beat, and I can't. I'm glad you're doing this, I was though. so embarrassed. Classes are good. I've been going, my boyfriend and I have been going to this boxing class, Rumble, Ooh. Ooh. which is so much fun. He got me into it, okay. and now we try to go together at least once a week. Wow. You know, he goes on, and I do my thing on my own, he does his thing on, but we commit to try to go once a week together yeah. to Rumble. It is so much fun. You, you would so love cute. it. You guys are adorable. Oh, my God. You're so cute. Um, that's fun. I love boxing because I did CKO for a while. I'm going it. to drag you. To, I'm glad you said that, Joanne. I'm going to drag you to it. I, know, I think you would like it because it's um, boxing with a group. And yeah. so they put the numbers on the wall, like do a, you know, a cross punch or an uppercut yeah. or, you know, this, that. I, I still don't know the, the jargon that well. You do that. 
for half the class. Then you go on the other half where there's benches and weights and you lift and do burpees and all kinds of things over there. So you switch, you go back and forth. Okay. It's like and CKO. There's, there's music. Yeah. It's great. That's great. No, it sounds I, fun. I've never heard of it, but it's great. Yeah. CKO kickboxing is like that. Oh, okay. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it's so much fun. It's really dark in there. It's like a DJ. I love it. And it's, you will sweat. You I do. Mean, and yeah. it goes so fast. Yeah. I love it. So we have to go. Unlike spinning, which doesn't go so fast, you feel like you're in there for four hours. I can't with the biking. It's so hard. I can't. And I can't. I've never, I, I know. You're supposed to get the padded bike, bike I shorts. I need the padded thing. I have those. It wasn't made for black women's butts. Well. Because if you have a butt at all, <laughs> you walk away with your butt like really in pain. But that's the whole point. Yeah. It, it, that If it hurts like that, that means it's, it's, tightening up yeah and then my mid our middle child um the middle son has been going to the gym so i've been his i'm becoming his gym buddy so he already oh, went once i'm trying to go on a regular so i'm trying to get back into it okay i'd be fit like you cousin whatever i'm working on it yes <clears throat> i but let me tell you my resolution you? yes my, so i am for my my new year's resolution mm-hmm. which i've been pretty good at so far we'll see is to stop giving unsolicited advice like be a vegan no, that, I'm not stopping on that. I'm not giving you advice on being a vegan. I'm just saying you need to, be, you should be a vegan. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, no. but, but please explain. Okay, so I I can't tell you the number of my girlfriends who <clears throat> make bad relationship choices. And I will get so upset with them because I'm like, this is what you need to be doing. Stop doing this. Then they end up getting back with the guy or they end up just making crazy And then they're mad at you. And I don't care if they get mad at me. (laughs) But my thing is that they don't listen. Yeah. And so it's a waste of my energy. They can get mad at me. I'm that kind of friend where if I see your man out with another woman, I'm telling you. And we cannot be friends anymore, but at least you heard it from me. Amen. And if we're not going to be friends, I told a girlfriend of mine, this guy she was dating, I suspected that he was gay Mm -hmm. because I had known him from years before. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to her, I've never seen him, like, kiss another man or have sex with another man with my own eyes. But I believe he is a homosexual. And because she was so into him, I felt like I should tell her that. And what was her reaction? Um, she still dated him. You can't. She didn't thing, get mad at me, though. Yeah. I, I you know I, I hear you on this advice to yourself because I have definitely found that the one thing you cannot give women advice on is relationships. Yep. Because, A, if somebody's really into someone, they just have to go through it. Yeah. And they have to get to their own process of saying, you know, this person isn't for me. Because hearing it from other people sometimes just makes you like the person more. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know, but it, it's, I don't know if that's what, what the situation is with these women that I've been giving advice to. But it's just like the decisions just, it just hurts yeah. my head. And I can't do it anymore. But I, I often give a lot of advice. Yes, yeah. about being vegan. About, you know, for relatives of mine, if they want it, not even if they, if they need to lose weight, I've got advice on how they yeah. can do it. But see, that's good. Do you give good advice? I mean, you give me hair advice. I think I give loss great advice. advice. You give great advice. I do. But in relationships, sometimes you have to. I mean, I have good, I have friends where I am a journalist. I will do a background check on your man. Yes. I will do it. And I'm happy to do it because if you have doubt and you want to know more about this dude. Yes. I'm that friend that will go and dig. Yes. 
I'll find out about them because you want to know, right? You should know. You should know. I think one of the stupidest things people say is, well, if you go looking for something, you were going to find it. Well, you need to find it. You need to find it. I want to find it. Find it. Find it. Find it. Look in the first place. It's the craziest saying to me. You know, if you go looking for something, you're going to find find it. Yeah. Well, if it's there, I want to find it. You want to find it. I mean, don't be like, I know people who have spent money on a wedding and been married shorter time than it took to plan the wedding. Yes, Kim Kardashian. Hey, and okay. I'm just saying, don't go spend a whole bunch of money marrying somebody that's no good when you could just have your girlfriends tell you right. he's no good. And I'm one of those people who definitely believes if your family doesn't take to somebody, it's a red flag. Mm. You should think about it, right? I, I mean, so Jason and my fam, uh, we get along with each other's families, mm. which to me is important because A, it's not only that the, the family knows the person, but you're... If you marry someone or you're dating them, you're kind of dating the whole family. You know what I mean? Like if they're close you, to their family, if they're close, to, yeah. if they're close to their family, yeah. then you need to know the family and the family needs to know you. You can't isolate any person that you're in love with from their family. No, unless they are self-isolated, which tells you something. Right. That's that's a whole other thing. That's a whole different thing. Right. But if they're close to your family, it's important that you are also you know, because you're all family at a certain point. Right. And I love my husband's family. I don't like when people women particularly will date men and keep them secret. Yeah. They don't let their friends That's or crazy. people who know them well, because I'm like, let them around. Don't keep it secret. Nope. Don't keep it on the low until it's, you know, solidified that, that you all are exclusive. Put them out in front of people. I say, especially put a man that you're dating around pretty people, mm-hmm. pretty girlfriends mm-hmm. and, and see, see how, how they, they react. Mm-hmm. Do it up. Cause there are some people who say, don't take them around this girl or don't take them around that girlfriend. Cause she, no, no. I'm Let's see you. how that plays out. Let, do yep. that early. Take them right with to take that it girl. Right over there to mm-hmm. take them around the pretty people. Yes, I totally agree. Yes, you want to see how they act. Yes, I went out with this guy. It was like kind of like a first date. We went to dinner, and then years ago we went to this club. Right, so it was like a kind of a lounge kind of situation. Man, his head was turning every rich witch away, looking at pretty women walking by, and I said to myself right then, "This is not Bye. the man for me." Mm-hmm. And we didn't even have to have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, hey, great night. Look and observe. Have a good night. Yep. Have a good life. <laughs> We're done. And goodbye. Yeah. No, no I agree need with you. to go out on the second date. Whatever it is you are worried about is probably real. Your little sixth sense is telling you yeah. mm, something, something just ain't right. And right. if you don't want to know, it's probably because you know. But my thing is, if women would take it a lot slower and just be cool about the relationships early on, about their interactions with men early on when they meet somebody and not treat every meeting like, this is going to be my husband. Right. We're going to be in a relationship. Just put them in the friend zone. Keep dating other people. Keep it loose and casual. That way you're not responsible for his behavior. See, I think you're still going to give advice because this is all great advice. Only in this moment. (laughs) This is it. So take (laughs) this podcast back (laughs) if you need help. No, but I I said not just that. I mean, I find myself, I like to give advice and I find myself giving a lot of advice. I feel like I give good advice. You do. But I said, I'm I'm not going to do it anymore unless someone specifically asks me for advice. Like a, 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 a woman today specifically asked me for advice on dating uh, in a dating situation that she had after a first date. And I sat down and I talked with her and it felt good. Yeah. Because she asked for she my opinion. Asked, yeah. But everybody else, they get mad. They want to get off the phone. They don't want to hear it. Yeah. And then down the road, it's and like, you know right. what? You were right. But how about this, though? What if you actually see a crime in progress? You see something, as you said, you see something about the man and the person didn't ask you, but you know anyway. You're still going to tell them? Yeah, I told a girlfriend of mine years ago that her uh, then-boyfriend 
um, hit on me, was flirting with him. me. You I gotta told tell her. her. You got to tell her. I'm I with can you. tell. You got to tell. Sing like a canary. Sing. See something, say you gotta something. You got to sing when the spirit says sing. I just, I can't with this whole... You know, men have this whole boys code where they don't tell on each other. Right. Women don't need. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. We have too many disadvantages to not treat each other the way that men buck each other up. Listen, we got biological clocks going on. Girl. There's a lot going on with us where we don't have time no for time. that. No time. No time for no. it. Tiempo. Yeah. So that's my thing okay. is not to give unsolicited advice. I'm going to keep it to myself. Okay. I have so many. I feel like I have so many great ideas and just put them on. But the nobody's getting it. Put them on a podcast I'm it to myself. <clears throat> so what else is happening out there? Because we're in the middle of this government. Shut- Are you as depressed as I am about the government shutdown? Let me tell you, I, I am. I'm very concerned about it. But let me share something that'll make you smile about the government shutdown. Mm-hmm. If I, I know you're like, what in the hell could yeah, that be? What could it be? So I interviewed these two sisters from the D.C. area who they were on Ellen last week. They, after they had been um, off the job furloughed for, <clears throat> I want to say, just about a week, they one of them made a cheesecake. The other one was eating it and was sitting with their mother. And the mother said, you ought to sell those cakes. They started a business called the Furlough Cheesecake. Ooh. And when I tell you, they cannot keep up with the orders. They just do online. They went on Ellen. Ellen gave them $20,000. Now they're moving into a commercial kitchen to, produ- to um, produce the orders. Yeah. And I asked them, I interviewed them on Joiner on Friday. No, on Tuesday. And I said, are you guys going to go back to work when... When and if the government shutdown ever ends, they were like, you know what we're thinking? We don't know. Well, here's the thing. See, that's a good story and a bad story. Yeah. The good thing is these women are figuring out what to do. The bad thing is the last part of your story, because there's part of me that's wonders if when Steve Bannon said that he wants that Trump's main platform is to deconstruct the administrative state. Mm. We even know what that meant. Could this be that? Could they could there are elements on the right in the conservative movement and the Republican Party who want to shrink government. You can't really shrink government the old fashioned way, because if you try to pass a bill that cuts farm subsidies, no one will vote for it because their constituents back home want the farm subsidies. You can't easily cut food stamps, even though they're constantly trying, because if anybody religious, you know, from the, you know, uh, you know, from the, the more liberal churches find out about it, even the Catholic Church will tell you you can't do that. Um, if you try and cut, you know, the subsidies to businesses, they'll scream bloody murder. So you really can't cut government that way. But you know, you could cut government, shut it down, and then have a lot of the people who were working for the government be like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this volatility. I'm quitting. If a lot of people just don't ever come back to their jobs, that would shrink the administrative state. If a lot of FBI agents who are like, enough of this, to yeah, hell but with the government this, could not run that's properly the idea, though. without these people. The star of the beast people want that. They I want mean, government to break. Coast Guard, Secret Service, Border Patrol. They clearly don't care. They have to care about they those don't care. things. Obviously, they don't. They keep the, the Senate uh, on the day that we're reporting this podcast refused uh, again. A vote failed with all of the Democrats voting for it. Um, that would have reopened the government, and yeah. they just Republicans. I have not heard one explain on TV or in print interviews. What is your rationale for refusing to open? The you know the Department of Agriculture or the Health and Human Services Department, right. the people who inspect our food, air traffic controllers. Why don't why why can't you reopen the government and let them go back to air work? Air traffic control alone, to me, it's going to unfortunately take a catastrophe. And they've said that. 
that. That's what it's going to take. They're saying that. We are now at the risk of an airline catastrophe. Or a terrorist attack. Or a terrorist attack. Because our security is now compromised. Totally. Or you'd want to talk about drug interdictions. Those aren't happening. So all the drugs can come in now. And the other thing that affects every single person, all 326 million Americans... Food inspections have been cut back. One outbreak of E. coli that that flattens an industry that makes it people afraid to eat. That's another That's reason if to you go can vegan. Eat. <laughs> e. coli can affect lettuce too. There have been lettuce outbreaks. Of, I mean, the reality is, we could have a major health scare in this country, and the departments that deal with immunizations and healthcare goes on are and down. On. Everything. I'm telling you, it's maybe it's on purpose. And you also wonder. There's never been a president who's been investigated for maybe being a foreign agent. You know who loves the chaos and destruction? If 40 million people don't get their food stamps on March 1st because of this, you could have people in the streets. We could have utter chaos. Yeah, It's 34 days in now. And it it could go longer. Mick Mulvaney, who was a co-founder of this Freedom Caucus, the Tea Party Caucus in the House, Mm. who made the House ungovernable and who want to shrink the government. Full stop. This week, as chief of staff, one of his many jobs, acting asked all the agencies to give them contingency plans for what operations could they continue through March and April without the government open. They could keep the government shut down till April. I don't know, but the part of me that wonders if this is deliberate is getting, that voice is getting louder in my head. I just don't see that. Donald Trump clearly doesn't have a great deal of concern about the American people. And he has a history. you, You think... It's not about the wall. You think that that's just an excuse that they're putting out there that this is really about shrinking the government? I don't know. All I'm saying is there are only three explanations for why Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell, because they're in this together, Mm -hmm. and all the Republicans in the Senate refuse to open the government. One, incompetence and cruelty, right? They're just incompetent and cruel, and they just don't care. Two, you know, Rachel Maddow put it out there. Could he be killing the whole government just to kill the FBI because that's who's investigating them. And like if the government's not open and the FBI runs out of money, they can't get them. Yeah. Or, because it's not just the, those agents that are working on, you know, particular cases, but it's the infrastructure. Correct. It's the people that come in, correct. you know, that are working the lower level jobs yeah. that make that department function, that agency function. If he was going to be subpoenaed, who's going to file the paperwork? Right. Right. So could it be that this yeah. is just a way of like you say, killing a bug with a sledgehammer. This is interesting. I really never considered this. Right? Or option three, if Donald Trump is acting against the interests of the United States, could he be trying to trigger an economic collapse or willing to because that's what his boss in Russia Russia wants? I don't know. I'm not saying any of those is the answer, but I'm saying with this president, all those options have to be on the table in your mind. You have to start thinking things you wouldn't normally think. Mm. And I remember saying that when he got elected, that you have to start using that your lurid imagination is the term I used at the time. Yeah. Things you would never think about an American president. Start thinking them because he is an authoritarian in his mindset. He wants to be Putin or Maduro or um, Erdogan, he wants to be Al-Sisi in Egypt. In his own mind, that's who he wants to be. So start thinking about what Sisi would do, what Putin would do. Start yeah. thinking about that. That oh can happen God. in America. You're, you you talked to Dr. Ruth. Yeah. Germany was a perfectly normal functioning democracy. Elected their dictator. It can happen. Yeah, it definitely can happen. History, history can proves that. Yep. <clears throat> oh my God. He needs to commit his brain to science. I hope he does so they can really study <laughs> You know, it's, I I hope I wish he would do it. You know, while he's still living. <laughs> but at minimum, the cruelty and the callousness of him and his party 
Oh, these stories out there are heartbreaking of these families who, I mean, I interviewed another woman who was almost in tears um, when we were talking to her about just not having money, you know, having a daughter in college, having a daughter in middle school, um, and not and wondering how to get gas money to get the daughter to school. Like things were really drying up because it's a two fa- a two income family, right? Right, and a lot of two income families rely on to make mortgages and keep yep. food going. You know, it's a it's a system that works. They work together with the money that's coming that's in, right. and all of a sudden it stops. Yep, it's gone. And people who don't care. I mean, Larry Kudlow. Who I used to be on his show four days a week. I, you know, I kind of thought I knew Larry Kudlow a little bit. Came out today and said, "Oh, those people who are working for free are volunteering. That's not volunteering. They're working for free. The same people who believe that taxation is theft, that taxing rich people is like enslaving them. They will say taxation is slavery, but they don't think working for free is slavery. <laughs> I love people this, that are saying that never in the history of this country have people worked for free." <laughs> And I'm like, slavery. slavery. Hello. And now they don't mind essentially making slaves out of 800,000 federal workers plus the contractors who aren't even going to get back pay. They're like, oh, good. I mean, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, I think he's worth $250 million. Mm-hmm. Wilbur Ross comes out and says, I don't see why these people are in bread lines. Why don't they just get a loan? What the? Who thinks like that other than, I mean, and, you know, I was talking with one of the techs outside before we came in. What a lot of people forget is that we're a country that's governed by millionaires. Most people in Congress are multimillionaires. Right. And so they can't relate to ever being broke. No. They can't Never. relate to ever, ever being broke or ever. missing a meal or missing a payment on a bill or having the lights out. Those of us in the real world who've been broke. Yeah. When that, when the, the one that, uh, that had me almost in tears was a woman and the, uh, there was a, a lady translating for her because she spoke Spanish and she said her her son came home from school and, and opened the fridge and there was nothing in it. And he says to her, which is what a kid would say, Mommy, how come you haven't been to the grocery store? When are you going to go? Yeah. And she keeps telling him, I'm going to go tomorrow because she doesn't want him to know that um, his mom, who he knows has a job, that kids don't understand why mom that has a job isn't going to the store. They just don't get it. Yeah. And so for you to have to sit down with a child and say, Mommy doesn't have any money, if you've never had to deal with that, then you just don't give a shit. And I think yeah. a lot of people on that side truly don't care. They don't. They can't care to let this because, I, as you said, I don't know what this is about. But if it's about a wall, then to me it seems like you don't have to st- shut down the government in order to, to to hold out for something that you could figure out later. That you could figure out later. And that the only agency involved is the Department of Homeland Security. Right. So why shut down the other government agencies? What does the EPA why have to do with it? Why shut down anybody? Why do it at all? And the other thing is, if it was about building a wall from where Republicans had unified control of the government, why didn't they pass a bill that gave Donald Trump a wall? If they wanted Americans to pay rather than Mexico, right. then why didn't they do it? They didn't do it when they had the government. I still can't get over the fact that he campaigned on Mexico, Mexico pay. paying for the wall. Yep. And now it's just okay. No one even talks about it. Yep. That, they that don't care. Now, now we're supposed to pay for it. And they don't care. I mean, you they never don't care. hear. Nope. None of them will, re- will re- even seem to remember, which is why if he told them, 
there's not going to be a wall? They'd say, yes, sir. It, it's a cult of personality. Yeah. If he told them there was not going to be a wall, they'd say, yes, sir. Yeah, he could come up with any reason. He could burn their homes down. And they'd say, <laughs> my home must have, you know, must be my fault. It must be necessary it for had, my home it's necessary to be burned down. For America to be great again, for my home to be burned down. They are, it's a, it's a cult of personality, meaning he could tell them anything he wanted. He could just tell them the wall's already there. And they'd be like, yay, the wall. You know, people who follow and, and uh, you know, adhere to Donald Trump, when he got elected, the day before, if you polled them, they'd say the economy was in a recession. The day he won, they said yeah. the economy is great. The, the same economy. They were people who hated Obamacare. The day after, there were stories written where they called the, the same Obamacare they already had, Trump Care, and said Trump fixed it. He hadn't done anything hadn't yet. Done anything. He just got there. And they were like, now right. I have Trump Care. It's great. He could tell them there's a wall and they would believe it. They would 100%. They, or they would say, it's fine. Whatever he says is the best. Whatever he does, he's doing the right thing. They wouldn't care. He don't have to do anything for them. He doesn't have to do anything for them. And even I, I hope at least those who voted for him, who are government workers, who are not getting paid. I hope that they are waking up and realizing. Don't I, count on it. I can't. Don't count on it. I, I predict that Donald Trump will retain 95 to 100 percent of his voters from 2016. Even people who are being furloughed. I don't see it. I don't see any evidence of him losing anybody. I just don't see it. Do you think he's going to win in 2020? I, I'm not even sure he's going to run at this point. I mean, there are so many potential charges piling up that we don't know what's going to happen in 2020. I have, we have no idea what Mueller is going to do. We have no idea what legal what charges are coming. so long? For it's God's a prosecution. Sake. This My problem with that is that we shouldn't be waiting on Mueller. The Democrats now have the House. Do your own investigation. You don't need Mueller. I love Nancy Pelosi basically canceling the State of the Union. And now Trump is like, you know what? I'll wait until <laughs> I'll wait. And that's, this is what I want to do. Yeah, right. No, mm-hmm. that's what you have to do. She's, uh, I love a, her for that. a great tweet that says, Trump, I'm doing the State of the Union. Nancy, no. Trump, I'm doing it anyway. Nancy, I said no. Trump, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. But I love it. I love that. But I bet more than more than a Democrat shutting down his opportunity to do the state, state of the Union, a woman. A woman. A woman. Of a certain age. Because yes. she's older than he is. Yes. And so, he hates that. She I'm sure is, he hates it. Oh, there'd be a fly on the wall. Oh, my God. I mean, she, to the point where, as Lawrence O'Donnell pointed out, and had me cracking up on set. What? Everyone else has a nickname. His nickname for Nancy is Nancy. <laughs> He's right. afraid to even call her a name. Has he ever called her a name? No. He calls crying Chuck Schumer. Lion, Pocahontas. Pocahontas, Lion Ted Cruz. He's never made up a nickname for her. Her nickname is Nancy. He says Nancy Pelosi, or as I like to call her, Nancy. You think that's because he's afraid of her? I do. I think he he respects her. Obviously, he respects her because he res- she uses her power. No one's ever really used her power against him, especially a woman. That's interesting. I don't think he's ever been told no, except for by his dad. And his father died like in 1999 or something. I right. don't think he's been told no in like over 20 years. That's interesting. I remember this is the guy who thinks that even if a woman tells him no, he doesn't have to listen to her. Well, of course. He's a celebrity. She doesn't he mean grab no. her by the, grab you know. Grab by the pussy. Yeah. And so yeah. he's not somebody who I think believes that he, that he is possible to tell him no. He right. said he doesn't even ask God for forgiveness because he thinks, I don't have to do that. He, he said that? He said he's never asked God for forgiveness. That's how, and, and the evangelicals he's talking to go, okay. I can't even get into the <laughs> evangelicals and their support of this man. We should point out white evangelicals because black evangelicals are like, uh-uh. Well, now. Yeah. Come on now. Come on. For a while there. Come on, choir. They were right up in, mm-mm. 
sitting right there, <laughs> talking about what a great mm-hmm. oh lord, it's a whole table full of whole room full. We just gonna I open your smell. hymnals now. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor, say neighbor, <laughs> neighbor, talking about somebody you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Turn to him right now. <laughs> okay, can we talk about Kamala for a second? What do you think of her run? I'm dying to get your thoughts. I love the fact that she announced when she did the MLK way that Day. she did MLK Day, 46, 47 years mm-hmm. at, you know, during the week of Shirley Chisholm announcing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a little bipartisanship because she's an AKA and yes. Chisholm was a Delta like you. Yes, so, yes. A little I, bipartisanship. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that she did. I'm very excited about her. I'm nervous. Okay. I'm cautiously optimistic. Okay. Let's say I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. I love that she went to an HBCU. Howard. It seems like a lot of the strong candidates in politics that are coming forth right now. Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. What's the brother from Florida? Gillum. Andrew Gillum. Andrew Gillum. Damn you. Yep. All went to HBCU. Stacey went to Spelman. Um, shout out to that. I went to Clark Atlanta University. Okay. Quite, Spike quite. Lee Morehouse, you know, right now being nominated for Best Director. But we'll get to Oscars in a minute. I but, went to the 6% of people who were black at high school. <laughs> Montbello High School count? Was mostly black. 80%? Hey. No. High school. Oh. No. Okay. Never HBCUs mind. matter. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Since you went to Harvard. <laughs> we were the strong 6%. 6%. We are the 6%. We are the 6%. <laughs> no, I, I am really encouraged by her. I love her story. I did not know as I was reading about her and learning about her that she used to date, uh, what's the former mayor of San Francisco? <laughs> Willie Brown. I didn't know that. I thought that was very interesting. Not that that's here nor there, because a lot of times women are judged on who they dated, but I thought that was interesting. And she's Avery. happily married to a lovely yes, man named Doug. Yes, she is. It's moved on, but I was like, that's interesting. But I also am um, disappointed by this, this tiny little movement that's happening led by black men who have strong social media followings who are starting this whole she's not black enough thing. And I want to say this. I want to encourage people to not fall for that. Even if it's people who you've supported, you like what they say, you like the sayings that they post, and you like how, you know, they just go on and on about this and that, and you think they're just the smartest little thing. No, let's not be sheep. Do your homework. This girl went to, this woman, I'm sorry, went to an HBCU. She pledged a black sorority. I mean... And, and look at her track record before you let somebody lead you down the path of she's not black enough because she pulled her hair back in a ponytail. Yeah. That she's just pandering to black people because she loves Black Panther. Really? Or because, you know, I mean, she is mixed race. Her mom was from India right. originally and her dad was African-American. Both immigrants. That describes half of Guyana. Okay. Being Indian and black is basically being Guyanese. So that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And if being light-skinned is not being black, well, that's most that's half of black people. <sighs> and and the reality is, I, I, it's like a flashback, um, Jackie Reed, because I still remember very vividly in 2017 being on the radio in Florida and having the exact same arguments made about Barack Obama. Yes. That he's mixed race, that he doesn't understand our experience, but that his the, experience and this is, is in foreign. The bl- within the black community. I'm talking about black people yes. who said he wasn't black enough because of where he went to school and I took personal offense to that because he right. went to Harvard. And I mean, literally, this is what we I was fighting on the radio in t- 2007. And until that man won Iowa, I'm t- sorry, but 
Everyone tries to pretend they were for Obama from the beginning. That's not true. Most black people were for Hillary and people were on our air yes. berating him yes. and saying he wasn't really black. It, black you know, people. The the show Blackish, which I give so it, that show just gets better and better every year. They did an episode last season where the oldest son on the show, he and his father played by Anthony Anderson, went to uh, Howard University because the son was thinking about going to Howard. And one of the things that the son decided to go, because originally he, I think he got accepted into some Ivy League school that his right. mom went to. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't thinking about going to Howard where his father went, but they went on a visit. And the thing that they highlighted about ha- uh, Howard University, and it's really true at all HBCUs, is that there's this diverse group of black people. Yeah. And we're we're... We're not a monolithic group. We we have various backgrounds. And it, just because you didn't grow up this way or you didn't experience church in this way or you don't you don't know this song or this is not the music that's, that you listen to, it doesn't mean that you lose your black card. It doesn't mean that you're not black enough. That's right. And it infuriates me when people say that as if you have to grow up a certain way. You have to grow up poor. You have to have struggled. You have to have this kind of hair. You have to eat this kind of food. You have to know how to cook this kind of food. This is what your family has to do for Christmas. This is what you, what you have to listen to. This is what you have to watch. These are the movies that you have to have seen. If you haven't seen these movies, then you're not black. Right. And we joke about it, but then when we have people who are running for office in a high-profile way, if they don't fit into a certain you know, idea of what we think the black experience is, then we want to dismiss them as not right. being black enough. Yeah. And I think we have to stop that. And we hurt, I mean, we hurt ourselves as a community if we're being that, you know, choosy and also that judgmental over yes. other black people. We're That's why you, we can't have nice things. Like, and I remember ha- having this to be at, at my non HBCU where white students would accuse us of being racist for sitting at a quote black table like if everyone at the table is black then black people are self-segregating and the argument that i would make to white people who'd say that to me would be everyone at this table is so different from different regions from different countries we had people from belize we had people from chicago we had people from detroit we had people from oakland yes people who grew up poor people who grew up rich we had people went to private school and who had an upbringing much like a rich white person right and people who you know grew grew up up, in housing projects grew up in housing but we had every variety and if you put that variety together nobody ever says a table full of white people is not diverse they say some are irish and some are italian and some are right and so we need to start realizing that there are as many varieties of black people even on the african continent there are all these different ethnicities tribes. Not all black people are alike. They're just not. They're not. And so we just have to accept that any progress by a woman or a person of color is really progress for all women and people of color. I think you have to expand that beyond black people, that people of color need to have a much more uh, proactive, I think, um, attitude toward power. Yeah. Because we deprive ourselves of power if we don't get perfection. You're never going to get the perfect person of color, the perfect woman. You're never going to get it. And you shouldn't need that in order to support someone who's like you in some way and who advances your interests, gaining power. As long as they're for your interests. Clarence Thomas, what I'm we saying. did the opposite. We Hello. were like, Clarence, yes. yes. Clarence was against us on everything. And black people ran behind him because his background, right. poor black from the South. And so right. everybody ran behind him. He wasn't for us. Never was. Right. We should have been for Anita Hill, who was for us. And listen, I am... I, I have to say I am offended by people out there of color who are black because they have a parent that's black, um, but they don't embrace their blackness, right? Um, and I won't name names, but that offends me as a black person because to me it's like just um, not not really 
not really supporting us as a people. And so that bothers me that you just until it's convenient for you to be black, right. then you want to embrace it. Then you want to be down with everything. But up until that point, you've been passing or really not, you know, and I don't think that Kamala Harris has done that Never, at all. Ever. She has embraced her blackness. I mean, she could like some lean into her mother's side of the family. You know, she is half Indian, you know, after all. But she didn't. Nope. She's embraced her blackness. She went to an HBCU. She Obama a black too. Obama, Obama did the same thing. Obama's from Kansas. He, he was raised in Hawaii. His name was Barry when he, he was growing up. He spent time in Indonesia. Yes. In Hawaii. He could have dated a woman from anywhere on the planet. And he grew up in a context where he was raised by white people. Yes. He, he could have made the choice to go the completely other direction. He chose us. Yes. And so I think a lot of people need to give people that benefit of the doubt when they make that. Walter White, I mean, we, I tell my students this when I was teaching, Walter White was 135th black, mm. had blonde hair and blue eyes. 135th easily could have passed for white and did. Yeah. And that's how he was able to infiltrate the Klan and right. investigate the Klan. This man looked just like a white person. Yeah. He chose to be black. And he would say, I'm affirmatively black. And, and no one even hardly believed he was black. Because yeah. he just looked like a regular white person with white, blonde hair and blue eyes. You can choose blackness unless, of course, you're Rachel Dolezal, in which case that is completely illegitimate. I can't with her. <laughs> I can't. And somebody actually compared Kamala to Rachel Dolezal. Hey, come on. Come I'm on. just like, you have Give got to be kidding with me. Give me a break. She is black. And by the way, that's the rules America set up. The Thank one you. drop rule. She's black because one parent is black. Yes. She's black. And then she also chooses to be black. Correct. And also, come on, choir. Take a look at that lady. She's black. Look just like we hair. knew Mariah Carey was black. Okay. You know she's black. Stop playing. Carol Channing. Carol Channing, which is my favorite little factoid. And she recently died. God rest her spirit. I know. My God mother used to be soul. obsessed with her. Really? And you know, my mother used to think everybody was black. <laughs> she had conspiracy theories. Philomena thought everybody was black. Oh my so god! So she believed to the to, to her dying day that you couldn't tell her that uh, Jackie Onassis was not black. She had a whole theory as to how black Jack. But she had the whole thing, and she always would tell us Carol Channing was black. We'd be like, okay, mom, you think everybody's black, and we didn't believe her. Come to find out, many years later, she was. She this and this particular conspiracy theory. Philomena Carroll, <laughs> you, you were right. You were right. Because we'd be like, mom thinks everybody's black. And she'd be like, no, that person is black. She would just look at somebody and be like, black. We'd be like, no. Uh, my dad felt the same way. And he would say it in such a crazy way. <laughs> it used to just bother me. He'd be just look and say, you know, there's an N-word in the woodpile somewhere. I'd be like, daddy, why? They would have gotten along because my mother thought everybody was black. Everybody. If you were even like a little swarthy, she'd be like, mm, black. Yeah. She thought that um, Sophia Loren was black because she was like, just look at her cheekbones. Yeah. That, that was her explanation. Yeah. How it is that she was black. Oh, yeah. A she lot of thought people hiding. Was black. Uh, but Kamala Harris. This is, not a, this is not a Philomena like who, uh, who done it. This is actually true. And, and, you know, she's not the only candidate out there. There are a lot of great candidates that are going to be running. It's going to be a fascinating 2020. She has a great shot, especially with California being you think early. So? Yeah, um, because California is going to be in March. March six is going to be the stopper, honey. Twenty six go in, no more than twelve come out mm. of that March six primary. Texas, Massachusetts, and California, and like six, five of the states, all the same day. It's going to uh, be epic. I'm Can't excited wait. about her as a black woman. I'm happy to see a black woman out see there with happens. a real chance. We don't have a lot of time to get into Oscar nominations, so let's give our shout outs. To Regina Black King, uh, yes. Black Panther as a movie. Yes. Um, Black Hans Klansman got six nominations, including the first ever for Spike Lee. Finally. Finally for uh, directing Black Klansman. And it's an excellent film if you haven't seen it. It really is. So I'm good. upset that um, David 
Washington was not, uh, Denzel's son was not nominated. Oh. I'm very upset. That's weird. About that. But anyway. What do you think of all the, so Remy Malek is nominated. Uh, yes, for, for Bohemian playing Freddie Rhapsody. Mercury. That was a good movie. And yeah. he was good in it. Okay. I think that's a deserved nomination. It's on my list. I'm going to see it. Yeah, there, there are definitely, um, I, I definitely, but I, I love that Spike Lee was genuinely excited about this nomination because you remember he was one of the ones back in, back in a few years ago with the Oscars so white, the protests that yes. were going, he was one of the ones that was like, I'm not going. Yeah. But he said recently that it's because of the whole Oscars so white movement that he was even nominated. He said because the Academy was forced to diversify. Yep. You know, it's pool of people who were voting. It's yeah. membership. Mm -hmm. And because of that, his movie had a chance. Yeah. He as director had a chance. I mean, it didn't get a Best Picture nomination, but, you know. It should have. But it I haven't seen all the movies, so I will. But uh, shout out to, Sp to Spike Lee. Yeah, my fellow Brooklynite. Good for you, man. I I'm happy for him and Regina King. Again, yeah, always. For if Bill Street could talk, love her. Um, yeah. Love her. Good stuff. Well, we got. She's go. good in everything. Is she everything not good in something? Let me tell you, everything this woman does everything. is excellent. Back to two two seven. Back to two back two seven. She was good in that seven. She is good. She's always been a great actress. Mm, we have right. to get her on. Read this. Read that. Yes, please. In Come the near on. Future. We're work. She wants we to do her. it. We just have to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get her on here. Okay. We'll and let's try here. to see, get Carrie Washington, too. And I'm going to see the close of her play she's got on Broadway. It's closing, actually, this weekend. I'll let you know next week how it is. Oh, I saw it. Did you see it? It's amazing. Oh, my God. I can't Yes. Wait. I went to see it early, early when it first opened. It is incredible. Yeah. I don't know how she does this night after night because she is, at the end of the performance, when they're doing the curtain call. Yeah. She is just like, you can see she's drained. Instead of like connecting with the audience, smiling, waving, saying thank you, she's just kind of like, <sighs> wow. It's, I but can't wait to see it. It's a powerful performance, and now it's being made into a television show. <gasps> Love her. I don't know if she's producing or Ooh. starring in it, but it's become, but be, going to become a television series. Fabulous. I know. It's good stuff happening. There's so much black girl magic. I know. Yay. There's so much. Well, we gotta go. Okay. But So, definitely um, catch Jackie Reed. Maybe at the Super Bowl. Oh, yes. I am working on my packing. Okay. I'm already, I'm going to start early. Most importantly, do you have a hotel room? Because it's impossible. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. You won't be, you okay. got there early. But you can always stay with your family, too. Yeah, you're, I you're got family girl. there, but. Okay, you know. but you don't necessarily want to stay with mom and you, know, you want to. Because she's we love way mom out in the suburbs. Love her, yeah. but yeah. No, I don't want to be in that traffic. No, you want to be nearby. I want to be in the mix. So you got a place to stay. I do. All right, so Jackie, we will be at the Super Bowl. Other than that, you can also catch on the Tom Jordan <laughs> Morning Show, and that's Tuesdays and Fridays at 8 15 a.m. on New York Live in the New York area at Monday through Friday, uh, I'm at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and at the on the Hub today in Boston. So special that Boston gets its own Jackie Reed show at 12.30 p.m. Also catch Jackie on Serious Progress on Saturdays at 2 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 9 a.m. on Inside Her Story, which I listened to in the car. That was my listening ah, when I was commuting back. Thank I was you, coming from D.C. to New York, and I really enjoyed it. So everyone, please tune in. It's I great. love that. I'm going to be great. interviewing uh, Garcelle Bouvet, nice. the actress yes. who is, you know, a Haitian native. Yes. Uh, talking to her about her 
her acting career and about the politics and everything that's going on in Haiti right now. She's very involved in that. Well, she was born there. She was. I knew she was Haitian, but I thought she was born here. Awesome. Yeah, uh-uh. No. So, yeah, we have a long conversation that we're having about everything. Her, wow. She's very involved in politics. So I, I can't wait to talk yeah, to her. Do so, it on yeah. your app or watch, listen to the car. It's really great. Yes. You do a great job, Miss Jackie Thank Reed. you. It's like you're a real journalist What do something. you got? What are you thinking? What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying, girl? Uh, listen, and I will be at the Super Bowl with your friend um, Gladys Knight. Can I talk about the tweet that no, you the text No, you can't. You no, you cannot. Don't talk about it. Don't don't bring up Gladys. Joyous. Don't be the funniest don't, trick don't. text. I can't deal with it right now. Mm-mm. What was the song that was playing? <laughs> what was it? No, it wasn't neither know. one of us that wants to be the first to say goodbye. It was a Barbara Streisand song. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I laughed so hard at that text that you sent I was in the store and they played Gladys Knight and I literally nearly left the store and broke down and cried because Gladys done thrown Colin Kaepernick overboard and I can't deal. Oh gosh, she's an elder. We're going to respect her. We're going to love her through it. And that's that's all we gonna do. Lord bless her. Lord bless her and keep her. And you can catch my cousin Joanne this weekend on AM Joy. It is on Saturdays and Sundays from 10 a.m. Eastern until noon. And I'm sure that she will be talking about <laughs> the government shutdown, we will. Michael Cohen, all those things. And I'm sure you'll be talking about uh Kamala Harris because uh, she announced after your show. Yeah. And we will be having on um, some Native American activists to talk Mm. about what I think is the just serial disrespect to Native Americans, to indigenous people that was on display yet again this week. I can't believe that people are trying to show the longer video and saying that it was those children that were mistreated. No, they were still disrespectful because I posted something on my social media about it. And people were like, you know, what if that happened to your child? And they're talking about the longer version. Those kids were still disrespectful to those Native Americans that were standing there. That was a very disrespectful display. My and child anything will be else, in real trouble. Oh, my goodness. Mm. See, Tomahawk chopping and jumping and whooping about a Native American. They all do need it. beatings. Like stick, go make them pick their own branch off the tree, bring it in, and beat them with it. They the need Lamina beatings. would have lit us up. My mama would I'm kick off her shoe for the first round, take and a then ch- she would have got the oh, broom. Oh, but you know they come with the slipper, what they call it in Miami. They say they come kick with the chancleta, and they come up. and take out the slipper Listen, and chase you around the house. My mother picked up a hamper one time, <laughs> a clothes hamper. I, I, I can't make these we, stories we up. We love the old school. And okay, can't before we leave, the song was The Way, <laughs> the way We, we were. were. I died. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. Shattered picture. <laughs> The time we have leave to Gladys alone. alone. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> no, baby, 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 baby.